congregation, we come to our final message on the book of Malachi. I would like you to first turn to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. I want to read verses 1 through 13. Listen carefully to the word of God. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we were here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Now turning back to Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb, For all Israel, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we have a wonderful transition placed before us 
And as New Testament believers, we can see this transition more fully now in terms of the completed written revelation to us. We ask, O God, that we would have eyes that are open and ears that are open to see the Christ in his glory manifested in the prophetic words of thy servant given to thy servant Malachi. In Christ's name, amen. Confusion. Confusion. When is Elijah coming? Will we be able to identify Elijah when he does come? Elijah left the earth in a fiery chariot into the heavens, never experiencing death. So he must return. He must be returning to earth in his fiery chariot just before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Is this what the Lord is saying when he speaks of sending Elijah before that day there in Malachi chapter 4 verse 5? Perhaps Elijah returning to the earth in his fiery chariot, is not a correct interpretation. But if the Elijah spoken here in Malachi 4-5 is to return to the earth, will I, will I recognize him? After all, if John the Baptist is the second Elijah, John himself does not seem confident when he is in prison of himself being Elijah when he tells his disciples to ask Jesus if he is the Messiah or should be looking for another, another. Oh, congregation, after all, even in John's gospel. In John's gospel, the Baptist states to the priests and the Levites, that's interesting connecting to Malachi in itself. The Baptist states to the priests and the Levites that he is not the Christ and he is not Elijah the prophet in John 1, 19 through 23. Well, if the Lord's prophecy in Malachi concerning Elijah is not confusing enough with what I have just placed before you, think of the incredible scene at Caesarea Philippi when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Matthew 16, 13. Well, some say John the Baptist. That's interesting (laughs) in itself, since they both lived at the same time. Some say John the Baptist. 
Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. In this particular case, Jesus, Jesus would be viewed as the Elijah prophesied in Malachi. Well, (laughs) there's another interpretation yet that appears as Christ is on the cross. As Christ cries out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Some of the bystanders said that Jesus was calling for Elijah. Matthew 27, 46 and 47. But as one was about to give Christ drink from a sponge, he was stopped by others saying, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come and he will save him. Congregation, let's pause here and ask what I think is an interesting question in anticipation of our next series on 2 Timothy 3.16. Place yourself in the Lord's prophecy in Malachi and then really wrestle with these confusing interpretations of Elijah surrounding the text that we noted in terms of the New Testament. As you read about this Elijah figure in Malachi, let me ask you, how would you interpret his coming? How would you interpret his coming? What would you have looked for? What principles, you see, what principles guide your reading and interpretation of the Bible? Would you have arrived at the interpretation that Elijah is John the Baptist? As Christ states to his disciples and the crowd in Matthew chapter 11, without Christ's interpretation of the Baptist, would any of us, would any of us come to Christ's interpretation of John the Baptist and Elijah? Are you willing to ask yourselves, why if you don't. Why, if you don't? Are you willing to look at the roadblocks in our own reading and interpreting of Scripture that would not yield Christ's understanding of the coming Elijah? Are we open to the Spirit of God leading us from our own roadblocks? If so, if so, watch what Christ does with Elijah and John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11. O church of the Lamb of God, I have placed this connection before you in a number of previous messages. 
especially when we looked at Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Christ identifies John the Baptist as the Elijah who is to come in Matthew eleven fourteen, and also as we read there in Matthew 17. His identification of John as Elijah is couched in Christ's comment that the prophets in the law prophesied until John. Matthew eleven thirteen. As we noted carefully last week, Christ endorsed the heading of the entire, the twofold heading of the entire Old Testament. The law and the prophets. Here Christ underlines that the entire Old Testament was looking forward, looking forward itself, that Christ was going to, that John the Baptist was going to come as the final Old Testament prophet, as the kingdom of heaven has entered the landscape of history. As the violence of the kingdom of heaven now comes, We cannot avoid, we cannot dismiss the message of the prophets and the law. And notice there, notice there in terms of Matthew 11, 13, that Christ now reverses the order. He moves from prophets to the law. Prophets to the law. As the violence of the kingdom is upon you, the message of the prophets of repentance is paramount, especially in that final Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist. And, and the premier and final prophet of the kingdom standing before you Jesus Christ. The foundation of that prophetic message in the 34 books of the Old Testament that that go from Joshua all the way through Malachi is the Torah. The five books of Moses. The book of the law. The word of the Lord to Moses has its pinnacle revelation on Mount Horeb. That is upon Mount Sinai, where the supreme, supernatural, religious holiness and righteousness of God's glory and being surrounds Moses. The law is the revelation of the pure, the perfect holiness and righteousness of God's person without blemish and spot. God's person revealed in the law becomes our standard for godly living before him. Because of our inability to keep the law in view of us being born in sin union, sin union with Adam's first sin, 
all the commands surrounding the law in terms of our moral conduct, our need for priestly intercession between a holy God and our sinfulness and our conduct in civil society points us to a greater prophet, a greater priest, a greater king, who is Jesus Christ. Hence, when we turn our eyes to the prophets to listen to their voice in the progressive revelation of God, the prophets will invoke, will invoke the circumcision of the heart in repentance and faith to return to the true understanding and application of the Torah. As the Lord is saying in Malachi, as the day of the Lord is upon us, do we know the law of my servant Moses? And do we know the message of the prophets embodied in Elijah? Congregation, let's really pick up on the words of the Lord in Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, that declares, that declares the sufficiency and glory of Christ for each of us as we stand in the day of the Lord. Let's see the rich blend of Moses, Elijah, and Christ on behalf of our glorious redemption purchased purchased by Christ himself. Indeed, the law given to Moses is not only a tutor to drive us to Christ, but Moses is also a prophet, a prophet that reveals the nature and the will of God's law for the sake of fulfilling the covenant of grace found only in Christ. In fact, the Lord establishes Moses as the model, as the model for the office of prophet in the Old Testament. Yes, he does. We are told by the Lord, I will raise up for them, that is the children of Israel, a prophet like you among their brothers in that famous passage in Deuteronomy 18.18. All the true prophets in Israel following Moses will have the words of the Lord upon their mouth. The prophets' words, because they are the words of the Lord, will be required to follow. So according to the Lord in Malachi, as the prophetic era of literature begins, as that era begins with the book of Joshua, Elijah now, Elijah is the model as a type of Moses, as a type of Moses for that entire era. But why the servant prophet 
Moses and Elijah? Why not Moses and Isaiah? Why not Moses and Ezekiel, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets? Why is it those two prophets? Congregation, to grasp the full impact of connecting Moses and Elijah in our text, remain in the context here of the book of Malachi. Now stay with me to see how the Lord works in history to bring his sovereign plan together for the glorious, for the glorious, I want to underline that word this morning for you, for the glorious exaltation of Christ and his bride, the church. Do you recall our message of identifying the messenger and the messenger of the covenant in Malachi 3.1. Malachi 3.1. In that message, we clearly noted that the messenger will be John the Baptist, as Jesus tells us in the New Testament, and that the messenger of the covenant will be Jesus Christ himself. As I pointed out in that message, it is best to understand the phrase messenger of the covenant there in Malachi 3.1 as the angel of the covenant. In order to prove this point, you may recall that I traced key occasions in the Old Testament when the angel of the Lord The angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ was present in the progressive execution of the Lord's covenant with his people so that Malachi refers to him as the angel of the covenant. Now, now, open your own eyes this morning. Open your own eyes to the marvels of the Lord's providence for your own spiritual enrichment. After the Lord comes upon Israel in judgment for worshiping the golden calf, he tells Moses that from now on the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, will lead the children of Israel into the land of promise, driving out the Lord's enemies in order to secure the children's rest. Exodus 33. Whereas the Lord, referencing here the Father, himself will visit Israel when their sin needs dealt with. Also, the Lord remarks that my presence, my presence will go with Moses and Israel. 
The my presence is another reference of the continuing service of the angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, securing the oath of God's covenant, of the Lord's covenantal blessings of grace. Exodus 33, 12 through 16. Now, as the 34th chapter of Exodus opens... As it opens, the Lord asks Moses to return to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. Remember our text here in Malachi. With two tablets of stone so that the Lord can write on them. After all, the previous two tablets were broken by in Moses' righteous anger as he came down and saw the golden calf. Now as Moses is on Mount Horeb, the Lord puts his covenant oath of sovereign grace in writing. I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Exodus 34 verse 27 Now watch, now watch. Moses was there with the Lord. The Lord's presence for 40 days and nights. Forty days and nights. During those 40 days and nights, Moses neither ate bread nor drank water. During that time, we are told that he wrote the words of the covenant and the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Indeed, what you need to see here, very importantly... Moses had the experience by the presence of the Lord and the word of the Lord to know what it was like not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3. Now turn your attention to Elijah. Now turn your attention to Elijah. After Elijah's mockery of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and serving as the Lord's executioner upon those prophets, he flees from Jezebel, who is very angry with what Elijah's hand has performed. As Elijah flees from his life, for his life, He journeyed into the wilderness. There you go, right there. The imagery of the wilderness, Elijah, John the Baptist. 1 Kings 19.4. Asking to die. An angel, an angel comes and gives him a baked cake and a jar of water. This does not initiate any motivation. And thus the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and gave him something to eat and drink. 
and that food and that touch from the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, gave Elijah strength for those 40 days, here we are, 40 days and nights without food and drink to journey where? Where is he going? Think Malachi here, Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, Elijah's journey to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. Like Moses, Elijah experienced what it means to not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word that comes from Christ himself as he touches Elijah and on him, and that strength that he gives Elijah from that touch enables him to survive 40 days and nights without food and drink. So as the day of the Lord begins, and you live in it presently, congregation, The angel of the covenant, the angel of the Lord, now appears in human flesh. And like both Moses and Elijah, Christ's directive is to go into the wilderness in which a mountain stood. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 You know it as the temptation by Satan. This person, Jesus the Christ, the second person of the Godhead, will have to endure how long? He's watching. You're connecting? He will have to endure 40 days and nights against the foremost enemy of the triune God of heaven and earth, Satan, without what? Food and water. Like Moses and Elijah, Christ demonstrated that it was not, that like not, that it was like not to live by bread alone, but to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4, connecting to Deuteronomy 8, 3. Yes, Christ is the prophet that is like Moses, but because he is face to face with the Lord's chief opponent in his wilderness journey, Satan, the evil one. Christ is victorious, and Christ is the one who exceeds, exceeds both Moses and Elijah. Congregation, I want you to see this morning very importantly in your Jesus, in your Jesus, how Jesus exceeds, exceeds Moses and Elijah's in terms of his glory. 
men, women, and young people, do you recall Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a where? High mountain. It's important, the mountain. And was transfigured, transfigured before them. Matthew 17, 2. What are we told there in that text? His face shone like the sun. Ah! (laughs) Ah! His face shone like the sun. Where are your minds going right now, congregation, in terms of Malachi? Your minds are now fastened on Malachi 4 too, right? Christ is the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. Face shines like the sun, and his clothes became light as light. Suddenly, suddenly, as that occurs, who appears? Who appears out of nowhere? As that occurs, <laughs> you know who it is. Suddenly, our two figures that the Lord speaks about in Malachi chapter 4, 4 and 5, they appear. Their names are Moses and Elijah. Now it all makes sense in light of God's revelation with respect to these two figures. Christ is the prophet to come like Moses, as Peter says in his sermon in Acts 3, 22. In fact, Moses went through his own, his own transfiguration on Mount Horeb, Sinai, during his 40 days and nights as he descended from the mountain. Do you remember the story? Connect it. Connected. Do you remember the story? As he descended from the mountain there, his face shone because he talked. He talked face to face with God. Exodus 34, 29 through 30. Moses' face was so bright Reflecting the glory of God in his word, he put a veil over his face in a much lesser degree. Without the radiance of reflection, Elijah's experience with the angel of the Lord who gave him food, drink, and then he touched Elijah that provided him strength for 40 days and nights transfigured him. As he came to Mount Horeb, 1 Kings 19, 7 and 8. Well, as Moses and Elijah are standing right there, <laughs> enter Peter. <laughs> enter Peter. <laughs> He wants to construct three tents. He wants to construct three tents there at the Mount of Transfiguration. 
One for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Look closely, congregation. Look closely. Peter does not, and I underline does not, understand the meaning of Moses and Elijah in the history of Revelation. In responding to see the glory of the Lord, Moses was permitted to see the Lord's glory pass by him. But Moses could not see the face of the Lord and live, according to Exodus 33. Hence, as Peter is speaking, a bright cloud, like the glory cloud in the Old Testament, encompasses all of them. And the Lord speaks and provides the true position, the true position of Elijah and Moses in the history of of redemption. And what does the Lord say? He says, this is my beloved son. My beloved son. My beloved son is not Moses. Not Elijah. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen. Listen to him. All the revelation of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets focused focused in Moses and Elijah, is fulfilled in Christ. Only in Christ is the veil over Moses' face removed. Both Moses and Elijah fade. They now decrease. But Christ increases. Increases. In fact, Moses and Elijah are actually, notice what happens here, are actually removed. Removed from the scene in light of the final fact, in light of the fact of that the final revelation of the Messiah, our Jesus has arrived. Our Jesus, your Jesus, has arrived. We rejoice, however, that Moses now has now seen the glorious face of the second, second person of the Godhead, the Father's dear Son, face to face without dying. After all, as the final mediating prophet of the word of the Lord, who owns the words of eternal life, he touches, notice that in the text, he touches the terrified disciples, ordaining them, ordaining them for their service in Christ's church. And what does Christ say? 
as he touches them? What does he say? Rise and have no fear. Please do not miss this next point. Please listen carefully. The transfiguration of Jesus Christ here presupposes, presupposes Christ's exaltation of resurrection and ascension in which the ministry of Christ's church is to be done by Christ's resurrection power. He touches them and he tells them, rise. Rise. It presupposes Christ's resurrection and ascension the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ is done by the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise and without fear. Notice what comes after the And without fear, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Only, not Elijah, not Moses, but Jesus. Where are your eyes this morning? Where are they? As you are in union all of you who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as you are in union with the exalted and glorified Christ, pictured in his transformation, excuse me, transfiguration, how do you proclaim Jesus Christ in your life as Lord, as you become servants of his death, resurrection, and ascension? Let the following passage register upon your hearts this morning. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and I never saw till the study this week how incredible this passage is. It's like opened up brand new. 2 Corinthians 4 6. Let the following passage register on your hearts this morning. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. There Paul quotes Genesis 1-3. Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at that verse. Look at the wording in that verse. For you, in this single verse, Paul ties the original creation now to the new creation blessings in Christ. All in the language here, if you're looking at the text carefully, this is what blew my mind this week that I'd never seen before. All in the language of the transfiguration. All in the language of the transfiguration, which is now applied to you, the church, to each of you. You, all of you, you live out of Christ's transfigured glory. You live out of Christ's transfigured glory. You live out of Christ's transfigured glory face. Face of Christ. See what Paul is saying? You do that now on earth. Through the Holy Spirit, your life has now been transfigured into the status of union with the transfigured Christ in the heavenly places. Remember the question I asked last week? Does your home look like heaven? We're putting legs on that. We're putting legs on that this morning. Does your life, does your home reflect the transfiguration of Jesus Christ in terms of your knowledge? Look at the verse in Paul. In terms of your face, terms of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the transfiguration, it's transformational in our lives. You may, after Malachi here, you may, after the last two weeks, reorient your entire way of looking at the Christian life. Where are you in terms of having your eyes fixed on Jesus. Are your eyes still fixed in the earth? Or are they fixed 
where Jesus is exalted and ascended as you live here on earth. This is how we are to live when we are the inheritance, the inheritance of Christ's person. Exodus 34, 8. You, congregation, you are the objects in love, in love, of Christ's inheritance. You are not the objects of the Lord's curse. Malachi 4, 6c. Final note. Let's shine. Let's shine in terms of our reflection of our Savior in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for who Thou art, who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We are thankful for his love and his care each day. But Lord, we thank thee that we ourselves are placed in him with such richness that we now are those who have the shining light of Jesus Christ and the glory of his person in our hearts and upon our faces. Preserve us in this grace. In Christ's name, amen.